welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Oscar Offerman. Last year, the German DJ shut down White, the label he'd run since 2005. It came as something of a surprise in some quarters though. Offerman and friends like Edward and the Smallville crew helped establish a form of German deep house that turned out to have quite broad appeal. And along the way, Offerman also made a name for himself as a sensitive producer. But in recent years, he's been reinvigorated by a new generation of artists coming out of Offenbach. And as Matt Unicorn found out in our Berlin office a couple months back, his decision to shut the label was in part inspired by their new sound and has launched him into a new phase of development as a producer and DJ. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Oscar Offerman is up next. So I have to say, so we met at an after party, uh, what, uh, a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, not that long, yeah. Yeah. i got to say, you were pretty different to what I expected. What? For some reason, I was expecting someone more serious. Seriously? Yeah. I don't know why, if it's the track title. Have, have you been following my Instagram? <laughs> I don't have Instagram. That's <laughs> because, the problem. Because I think uh, there might be my more um, not-so-serious approach comes along, I guess. But uh, yeah, but uh, thank you. I take this as a compliment. <laughs> Has anyone else said that to you? That they thought you, that was- they're surprised how outgoing you are? Interestingly, I was just thinking, ah, yeah, maybe that's because like everything is so, yeah, but you're not even on Instagram because I was about to say my all my pictures are sort of like in that black and uh, black and white frame and always like you know I used to study art so what can I say so I just try to make it a little more pleasurable and more fun to watch it so I guess that's the thing and but interestingly i was just thinking the same thing with another with another artist who i follow on instagram and then i saw him on a tv special and i was like what he's completely different in real life than his pictures are let's put it like this i hope i hope we can clarify this with this fabulous resident advisor exchange uh, it shows that you can't like you can't assume how someone's gonna be because i guess most people would have you would consider you a deep house guy it's not what you play but a lot of the music is this, like, I don't know, I guess it has this, like... I mean, it has a house, definitely, like, a deep house sort of background, I think. And I would say it's always been about melodies for me. That's basically the key 
melodies, a little bit of acid was always there. It has gotten way less vocals now, I would say, but it's and a little more electro-ish. But um, the core, this emotional, they call it emotional offy, <laughs> sort of sound in Frankfurt. So, um, yeah, this sort of emotionalness is still there, I think. You mentioned that your sound is getting more electro. This has been a big thing for you lately, discovering <laughs> this like world. Or maybe not discovering it, but yeah, it was immersing a... yourself in this. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Thing. I mean, it, it, the thing is, first of all, you know, I have this hip-hop background. So electro and hip-hop, of course, are very, very closely connected. You know, if you follow my productions in the in the last three, four years or something, it has gotten pretty, like, not so far to the floor. It's basically a lot of electro things, which is just a, was a very easy, uh, sort of easy to adapt to. Of I felt very connected to that because of my hip-hop background in a way, you know. But of course, yeah, there was a there. I mean, I, I said it also in the in the interview in the interview for the podcast where I um, that I had um, at some point I was a little bit bored with Deep House because it always was this retro approach which I hated. You know that everybody was buying like old drum machines to try to sound like Kerry Chandler in '97 or something. You know this is just stupid. Why are we not trying to make it next level or try to think futuristic? You know. Do you still think there's room to innovate? Yes. In def- like definitely. four to the floor dance music. Definitely, definitely, I definitely think so. Don't ask me for an artist now <laughs> because I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you one. But I definitely think there's room to improve. There's uh, sound design wise. There's I think still so many, so many levels and areas where we haven't yet even been. You know, so. That's cool. It's an optimistic. Uh... Always, there's a very nice German saying: "Hope dies last." I like. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, it's good because, like, uh, I don't know. I guess lots of people. The thing you think about Deep House, the thing that maybe I don't know, <laughs> yeah. the thing that you said. Uh, not saying that you think that about all Deep House, but uh, for some reason, I think de- like house and techno in general. I have a more like dim view of it. Of course, I love it. It's my favorite kind of music. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I see most of it as trying to like replicate. Well, the stuff I like most mm-hmm. is the stuff that sounds most like old stuff. The past, maybe. But then again, look at all this. When we talk about people like Hardwork Soft Drink, mm-hmm. when you really think about it, it is doing something pretty fresh, mm-hmm. even though it might be rooted in this old like electro. Kind yeah, I, th- I think that's a that's a very very good example. Like uh, Cedric Tukowski and Felix uh, Reifenberg, who are about to release an album, by the way, uh, it's called Lalbum and it's coming out on Hardworks of Drink. You should all check it out because it is a uh, it is really future uh, futuristic sort of next level approach. I think it's. I was just talking to them yesterday and I said, like, guys, this is avant garde. You have to sort of like also understand that this will maybe take a while to really reach to people you know and until people will understand this i mean we were talking about move d yesterday and if you imagine his album kunststoff basically is now exactly sort of the sound which is exactly the sound at the moment and you know this album is like 10 years old or something it's crazy you know so 
So you know this, and this is this is a good example, and I think this is fun. But I have to say, I don't like the negative approach there, my dear, because I always think you know because if we if we if we don't like in life in general, you know, if we don't believe in good things and the positive, uh, I think life just sucks and can't. This world will then eventually die. It all starts from really believing in it and thinking thinking good about it so and that goes also for house and techno you know do you think this like how this like minimalist i don't know how do you even describe this music my own music or no, with, like uh, this, uh, hard work soft drink yeah this like breaky yeah, I mean, minimal it's, kind it's of it's kind of futuristic next level minimal kind of thing i would say would yeah, you still we, call it minimal yeah, minimal is a bad you know yeah. I, I, my age group i'm 35 i have seen the word minimal change so much over the years and misused and stuff you know when i came to berlin in 2001 i remember it was called minimal like german pronoun and it was compact that was minimal in those days you know and and then uh, Richie Horton came and and the whole minus thing happened and then it was suddenly pronounced English minimal and was this completely different music you know so it changed a lot and you know if you take it like I don't know if we start with Steve Reich or someone you know it's like also minimal minimal art and all these things so I don't I don't find it a negative word and I would just say like now for those guys I would say it, it 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 is sort of like a true word because or, or or a fitting word because it's you know it is they have a very minimalistic approach with their sound design in in general but let's call it future break <laughs> Maybe we should call it minimal. <laughs> minimal, yeah. We, 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 we just we just re re uh, uh, invented, <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or yeah, we take just take the old school approach to it. We call it minimal. Do you think this kind of you DJ a lot? Yes, I do. Do you think this kind of music has like broad appeal? Because at the moment it's like it's still a pretty nerdy, you know. Niche I mean, thing. it depends on. Um, Yes, I think it has a broader appeal. Yeah, I, th I definitely think it, it, it will reach the masses at some point. But it will take also some time, you know, in general. And there's like people producing more, um, I say, accessible tracks and people who are producing less accessible track tracks. I mean, if you... If you look at Romania, for instance, you know, there's also like in the whole minimal world that was like the last big thing. And it's kind of interesting how that travels the world now. It's it's now in Europe already like a little bit over and then in Australia suddenly it's a big thing, you know, <laughs> or in the States. Yeah. It's huge in America. Yeah, yeah like, in the States uh, now is super big. Yeah, everywhere I played pretty much always like uh, Romanian proper, proper Romanian, Romanian techno <laughs> as a warm up. Yeah. But it's fun, you know, they, they enjoy it. And, and for me, you know, Romanian techno in general was also like one of the most interesting things happening in in the whole dance music thing in the last years. I, it wasn't so much my personal taste, but at least it had this futuristic approach about it, which I really, really like, you know. Interesting that you like this futuristic, <laughs> that this forward thinking thing is important to you. I've never thought about it like philosophy, like, like on a deeper level, basically. I, uh, why do I like this so much? I don't know. I just get bored so much from the past at some point, I guess. It's just being impatient in a little, little bit, I guess. You know, it's just like, eh, where's the new shit? Where's the new shit? <laughs> so are you finding lots of new music to buy? 
Mm, oh, you got me there. I'm, I'm really bad with buying new stuff, basically. <laughs> well, it's easy to fall in this Discogs trap. Yeah, exactly. It? That's the sort of like, the, I found the most interesting. Oh, no, no. I'm sort of like, oh, you're such a good journalist. <laughs> you got me there. Basically. <laughs> yeah, no, I basically, yeah, I play, I play stuff from friends. Um, like new stuff or people like the but I don't buy so much new records I buy new records I mean I don't completely don't do it I mean I go but I'm not so much into the I don't order records new records I'm more into um, going to record stores that's basically my main approach I'm also not the biggest Discogs guy it's mostly stores yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's funny how like uh, or at least the people that I hang around and even my own experience Somehow, like, Discogs became such a huge thing and people forgot, seem to forget about real record stores somehow. Mm. Like, because I guess it's so easy to just fall in this trap, spending hours on Discogs, where you could have, like, caught, in that time, you could have caught a train to another city. Then go, go to a real store, you know? I mean, there are some DJs, like, like A-listers do that. Like, Sonia, I remember, was telling, like, if she, you know, there's no record store in her hometown and if she needs a fix, you know, boom, she buys a ticket and flies to Berlin and goes to Space Hall. And these days, you know, it has gotten so much better. I remember like a time when I played in Paris for the first time, which must have been around 2009, maybe 10. And there was literally no record store. And suddenly there's uh, like, I don't know, like uh, five now or something. It's pretty interesting, actually, how like that seems like a real way to measure that vinyl is becoming more popular again. Just the fact that there are five, as you say, yeah, there suddenly, were several yeah, yeah. record stores. It was that, that you know, there. like in most cities it was that. And suddenly there's like re- record stores opening up again, new ones, you know. It's a pretty good like sign. Like it's good to see actually. I told you, hope dies last. <laughs> we should always believe in the good. I mean, I mean, this is really quite amazing, you know, that the old school... Media sort of div- survives the the new school media, you know, the CDs that all like British pop indie bands, you know, they release everything on vinyl and digital download and Spotify and stuff, of course. So I think that is um, that is a good good thing, you know. How do you get to record shops? If you're a traveling DJ, yeah, I'm you live just... in Offenbach now. Do you try and go to... <laughs> even in Offenbach, it's a good record store. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, you know, even in Frankfurt and Offenbach, like the old traditional one, basically the hard works from Frankfurt closed down, which was Freebase Records. And uh, then they opened up, Manuel and a few other guys opened up... Uh, Gozu, which is sort of like the modern approach with vintage, like a lot of like used secondhand vinyls. And, but I think they are going, they do good business actually there. So, and then you have an Offenbach Mine Records and so on and so on. But uh, to come back to your question, what I, um, yeah, I usually, like every city I go to, I travel to, I try to hunt for the record stores if the time allows it, because that's where you find the real gold, you know, in, I don't know, Karlsruhe, <laughs> you know, in a rock shop, you know, where they have like a, a box of old vintage records, and then you find maybe one techno record, but you can be very lucky, and this is like, I just found actually in a random city in the world, <laughs> somewhere in Asia, I found like in a store like this, I found records which were like 250 on Discogs and I bought them each for two euros. <laughs> so, straight back to Discogs? <laughs> yeah, straight selling. No, I mean, no, nice records also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
yeah, if you look, you'll find it. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta keep your eyes open, I guess. And you know, for me, it's just fun also. You know, this, 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 this digger kind of thing, this treasure hunter, this pirate thing. You know, like uh, getting your hands dirty also. Like, and your hands are really like afterwards. I'm sweaty. I'm dirty. My hands look like shit. You know, me with my white clothes, I look like a pig afterwards. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. I would definitely recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> you shut down your label oh, last yes. year. Yes, I did. And you were running it for like nine, nine years, years, I think, yeah. So how does it feel not to be thinking about oh, what the is, next release is going to be? This is really good. It feels really nice because it was a little bit, it felt a little bit like a chain at some point, especially like in the last year where I didn't feel it so much anymore. And it does, you know, when it just feels like this pressure thing, we have to do some sort of release. We have to sort of, you know, this is stupid. Why, why, why am I doing this? And and and, and I don't want to do this. Was you know? it you putting that pressure on yourself? Of course, or people. Yeah, saying, yeah, definitely. Of course, yeah. we could have also just go go for a pause or something. You know, nobody says like you have to release five records a year or something. To be frank, I have to say, like, the most interesting people are actually the ones who don't give a shit about these kind of things, you know, usually. And, and, um, but, you know, doing this for such a long time and starting this out with these different, with this, this different group of people, I just moved on in life in a way. And I wasn't like, you know, my life changed had changed so much over the years that I wasn't like it wasn't the original idea basically anymore and just running a label for you know because I'm a because I'm a pro DJ and I need something like uh, for my profile you know this is stupid you know come on like because nobody can take this out of your biography anyhow you know you always be the guy who did white you know the the label or you know so so this is basically you know still the first sentence which shows up in my biography when they printed it somewhere so and this is okay because it is my history uh, but you know i was always like afraid of shutting it down because i had the feeling because many people like professionals also like from the from the business bookers and stuff everyone was like you really should think about this will like basically destroy your whole dj business you know if you don't have a label of your own like people were like how can you do this and i was like no fuck man i don't want to i just don't want to continue things just for the pur pure purpose of continuing it, it i want to feel it i want to do it right and you know plus i met all these younger labels traffic hard work soft drink all these guys you know and they were really committed of doing their labels and i was feeling like the old cunt who you know <laughs> just, just doing it because he has to do it it's stupid you know i mean i don't want to I, I don't want to i don't want to do business like this so when you say you're like idea about the label changed what was the original idea then like, why start a label in the first place? Yeah, I mean, with White, it was um, like almost like a interdisciplinary project in the early days. It was like uh, VJs, uh, DJs, graphic designers. I studied graphic design in those days. So, you know, it was basically this idea of we can run some sort of like agency with slash a booking agency slash, you know, uh, arts, whatever advertisement agency and um this was the first basic idea that's also where the name white came from because it was like a white sheet of paper this is like where it all starts you know 
So, and then, you know, it was just this collective of creatives and the original idea was to sort of like combine all these different things, you know, the artworks, you know, to bring it all together, the talents basically. But then it quickly showed like at some point that, you know, basically the, the music thing is the only thing which is really working maybe in, in, in collaboration with the artworks, but basically it's about promo promoting marketing DJs eventually. So at some point, which happens pretty much to every label at some point, some stage they're all like the, the graphic guys are usually the ones like, you know, I don't get paid from this. I don't get anything out of this. Why am I doing this? Yeah, I have he's like not getting more clients. Yeah. I need it. I need, I need, I need, I need to sort of like work for my clients who pay me first and then I can work for you guys maybe, you know, but this is like, only in very very rare cases like Perlon maybe you know is is it it, it worked really nicely as a symbiotic a symbiotic sort of like effect but it is rare like or maybe Trevor Jackson or these kind of people you know where where the artwork was so strong that you have the feeling that both were like uh, getting something out of this so yeah but music wise I don't know it was just We were young and we had the feeling like, you know, the approach you need to have, the revolutionary approach you need to have when you're a young artist, this sort of like middle finger up in the air and F you guys, you know, we we know what's going on. This is our world. This is how we want it. You know, you're, you know, that's what you need when you're young. You have the feeling like, you know, nobody's doing it right. You are the only ones basically to know how it has to be done, you know. So yeah, that was the early days. <laughs> so does that change as you get older? Like where you stop thinking that you know best? I think what definitely changed when you get older is the whole tolerance with music. When you're younger, you're way more like narrow-minded with a certain style of music you believe in. I definitely think that is the, that it is a case of of a certain uh, age at some some stage or a certain. I mean, I'm 35. I'm not not that old, also, but you know. <laughs> well, I guess you've been a DJ. You've been a touring DJ for a long time now. Uh, 2010, I started living yeah. from it. Yes. So it's seven years. Seven years. That's... Yeah, I survived a few waves already. Yeah. So since you were 28. So what did you do in between university and becoming a full-time DJ I got straight out of university and then I w went into DJing like I I, I, I graduated uh, I finished my studies when I was 30 I started studying also quite late I was working before I was working in the business I was working for Sona Collective I did first a few internships then I was working for Sona Collective for two years or something I was running the label there at some point And um, then I decided to study again. And that took until I was, I don't know, 25. And then I went to University of Arts and studied experiment first graphics and then experimental media design. Flashy. <laughs> It's a flashy way to study something for, I don't know, yeah, creative people who don't have a media yet. Sounds really smart. Uh, yeah. It's futuristic. It, it, yeah, that is absolutely true. It is a futuristic kind of thing, uh, but I was also a little old school there. I was more. I tried to be, become a director. I wanted to do art house movies, but I hated the thing that you 
the problem why I uh, why I didn't end up as a director is you how you're so dependent on on other people with the job that and it takes such a long time until you see the final product you know the final results of your work I mean it takes like two years to finish a movie basically and then in the early days it's just so fucking annoying because you don't have money to pay the people so the people work for free so they sort of all everyone gets the idea of sort of putting in their creative input which is of course understandable but it, there's a reason why in movie businesses there is a certain in the industry that there's a hierarchy at the set also you know like it's clear who's doing what so if you have the hairdresser attending you like to set up the camera maybe a little more like this and do the shot a little more emotional you just you know want to kill that person you know basically <laughs> so so that was the reason why I, you know and you don't have money to pay them so you cannot just say like come on fuck off you just have to go with it you know so and say yes thank you so much and this costs also an extra time and it just like made me crazy in those days like shooting a movie so being an electronic music producer is pretty good because there's no one telling you exactly make the bass louder exactly and plus I have to say music was always my first passion and music had been there before the whole movie thing was there so At some point, I, I was kind of torn when I was studying what I should do with my life because I couldn't decide, like, is, is it music now? And we were already in those days, we were already doing label parties at Bar 25 and those things, you know. So I was really like, I don't know, should I become a director now or should I try with music? And I've seen also, like, a few other professional music musicians, like, rock bottom hard, you know, really, like, going broke and shit like that and really struggling with surviving and shit. So I was scared of trying that as well. So I thought, like, you know, playing the safe card maybe with the whole studies and everything. But this really, like, it it um, it uh, gave me really, like, a hard time to decide for one thing, you know, because I had the feeling I have to do one thing properly. But at some point... After four years of psychotherapy and everything, I finally found the way and could like also def define it for myself what I'm gonna do, you know. And then ever since, you know, the day I finished my studies, I I, I got my degree and and I said I'm never gonna shoot a movie again. <laughs> so how does it work if you're in your late twenties? You have the chance to be a full time DJ. Do you feel like you really pushed yourself? Or did it kind of just happen? Like, people wanted to book you. I don't know. Did you feel like you had to hustle? Like I've just read this one, this beautiful thing about, uh, I think it's actors or something. And But this also occurs very nicely, uh, fits also very nicely to artists in general. It's called appetite. You know, I think you're not... The idea that the artist is just somewhere and gets like like uh, 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 seen by some talent guy, you know, and he brings this person out big time. This is not how it works. This is like casting show shit, maybe, you know. But this is, you know, if you don't have the appetite and the drive to really do it, you will have... struggle to survive, I'm sure, you know. You have to have that. You have to be driven in a way so of course you know once i decided to do that i was uh full in you know do you think you have to sacrifice a lot to do what you're doing oh what do like, you mean like what I mean, sacrifices like just say if you had a girlfriend or boyfriend mm -hmm. like it would be pretty hard to maintain a relationship if you're traveling every weekend going to parties 
I don't know. I've just been thinking like to be a professional DJ, you have to give up some things, even though you're doing. I guess it depends what your priorities it's, are. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I'm a very much of a family guy and and very like like this is probably one of the most important things in my life, if not the most important thing. I don't have a family yet, and but I was already in relationships where um, where it worked. I mean, you know, you have to just sort of like find a way to make it work. I guess you know we were like texting constantly like every time i was away we were like just sort of like yeah there was always like this life ticker almost feel even if she was asleep or anything you know i was like just sending constant updates all the time and this sort of like created a sort of level of trust in a way you know so i think you can do it you know if you really love each other and you know if if love is also about letting someone go you know and and you know like letting someone fulfill his uh his his passion you know and on the other hand you know there comes also so many other good commitments with a vip tickets first class flight private jets you know all the good shit all the stuff that you get yeah every time with my nine employees and shit you know with white uh, uh, scrub, <laughs> no, you have to scrub the sp- you have to scrub the white logo off now uh, private yeah, jet. yeah yeah no i mean of course it's it you know That was interesting. Like with my ex-girlfriend, for instance, it was sometimes a um, little bit hard when she came with me because it's different for someone to go party in a club than to be on the road somewhere where things are also like very different. In other cities, there's different rules, there's different curfews, you know certain like uh, uh, other policies I don't know you know it's just different you know plus maybe a jet lag or something so it can be quite uh, tough and from what I've learned from all these years of DJing is that I have a pretty pretty strong energy taking that all like I see it also with younger friends for instance who are just new in that business and sometimes they struggle so hard with like I don't know they have a crazy flight delay or something you know being fucked up having slept and you know you're at the airport and suddenly your flight gets cancelled or something and this is like and suddenly the whole world breaks down but it's strange like these kind of things never get me so much out of like out of my out of my pace in a way like I always love traveling alone even before I DJ and I don't know, at after parties at places, I have this, for some strange reason, I have a crazy energy there sometimes, which is like for the travelers, for the whole, for the travels and for the whole DJing, which is nice. But sometimes I struggle with the energy then at home, the, like in the studio, I have the opposite feelings that sometimes I have really like, it's hard sometimes <laughs> to motivate myself, you know, and, 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 and get myself then up, you know, it's just like. Maybe that's just like the aftermath of all these weekends, you know, and you're sitting now, I have this like, uh, I had these days where I just spent a whole day there just reading and, you know, I actually had to do stuff and I wanted to do stuff. But, you know, it's probably not working then because just my body at some point needs also this sort of recharge, you know. So you're basically born to DJ. If cancelled flights don't annoy you, <laughs> you're always energetic at after parties. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty good with these, yes. I'd have to say you're definitely one of the most outgoing DJs I've met. Seriously? Like professional DJs. Seriously? That is of course, there are lots that are also nice. I'm learning nice. so much about myself yeah. today. Thank you. Of course, of course I've I'm met serious. lots that are also like nice guys. 
but you're very outgoing. So, I don't know. How are you in situations where you're with artists who might be a bit socially awkward or... That is interesting because usually I'm completely the opposite then. I'm I'm getting like... I'm really bad usually with bigger artists, especially like once I meet someone I really admire, I sort of tend to fuck it up right away and getting like I'm I'm getting the embarrassing can basically who I know also from you know being a DJ you know you you kind of you have a sensor for these kind of people you know and then I'm usually the nerdy kid like hey 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 hey, hey Ricardo I just wanted to ask you about you know I mean I, I'm I, it's I don't know it's it's uh, usually doesn't work really well i have to say but you know just as at dinners or something you know it's um easy of course usually because i end up talking <laughs> if people don't want to talk or i just ask people questions you know there's a, there's a certain thing i i've noticed with some djs if you're very long on the road people usually usually it's the djs asking the promoters questions Really? Yeah, because the promoters are not so Because you don't have to talk then, you know, you just ask the standard questions, you know. Like how big is the club and how long have you been doing this? And then they, you know, you have a few of those. And like especially the DJs who don't want to talk, like usually just just, just ask questions. Man, that's a pretty good tip for all the awkward like uh <laughs> nerds listening. Yeah, I should to I, I should probably apply this to myself, like once I'm in these like oh geez, I could like tell you all these awkward situations now where with DJs I've met. We were just earlier talking about Marcel Detman. I remember bumping into him and he was like super interested. Oh, you Oscar. Hi, pleasure to meet you. And I was just like you know, just like killing him within like really like uh, five seconds and he was just like oh i think i need to go to the bathroom now <laughs> and that's so embarrassing hopefully he is this <laughs> That's one of the things about music is like not everyone is so chatty or maybe because it's this artistic thing or I, I don't know. Truth I can is, just, yeah, I, what do you I, think? I, I, truth is, um, I mean, this is me, of course, you know, first of all, so I can change who I am. So, but sometimes I have the feeling that um, the whole um, outgoing approach sometimes is not the best because you make yourself very easily hurtable. Is that a word? Like, you know, because I'm always telling everyone anything, you know, and that's quite easy. If I don't say anything at all, I'm definitely the more interesting guy in that moment, you know, because I'm, you know, this is the mysterium, you know, who is that? But when you're nice and friendly, everyone remembers, they want to see you again. I think that's, I think the thing. I mean, truth is, of course, that is a part also of my DJ persona. If you see me DJ, you know, that's a very, very big part of, even if you don't talk to me, if you see me in a club and you see me standing there having a good time, you know, it's, it's a very important thing next to the music I play, I think. And also uh, because, yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm having these relationships with these people and the people just like like also that part of my personality. So that is also something which makes it sometimes more easy. But of course, sometimes, especially with other artists, I think sometimes a little less uh, more complicated. Maybe also because they see that what they don't have, but I see that same thing in the mirror as well you know I'm always I wish I'd be the more mysterious guy here you know (laughs) do you ever think people take music well of course you take music seriously but do you ever get annoyed by people's I don't know maybe annoyed's too strong of a word 
do you see people not having as much fun with music as they as you think they should? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. DJs, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a few of those, definitely. Like, I, I there's direct directly a few images popping up to my mind from a few people. I won't name, name put names down here, but. But I know, like these people, I was think I'm thinking of now. I know personally, and I know that they are just super conscious, concentrated. But I know also, like when I didn't know them, that I always thought they are fucking assholes, you know. So, like I said, like if you if you get to know most of these people, they are really really nice people usually, and it's just sort of like a very concentrated approach. Have you ever been like that? Okay, I have to really have to nail this mix. I have to. Uh, interestingly, um, when I I think I looked very concentrated when I uh, smoked dope, but I don't do that anymore. And in general, this is not a good idea to do. Yeah, I I remember that, and then I was super stressed out and super concentrated by it. Like I I I really prefer playing sober. This is still like my favorite. Even drinking is not not a very good th like it doesn't make my dj sets better and usually i i have to say i'm the best sober and do you realize that just say if you do start drinking do you realize like oh hey this isn't going so good or it's only afterwards that you realize i can, like, I can tell it directly from the pitching abilities like really i take a zip of alcohol and i feel something is wrong there It's super strange. It's funny because some people think they get better. Yeah, like, I, I, I know actually people who are getting better. This is the truth. Also, oh, just But not I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I think the problem there with me is I'm, I'm too much of a. Um, I'm just not stable enough in a way to sort of keep that. You know, like I'm already so I have this outgoing thing so much in me already that it just puts everything a little bit off the track you know so it's just like it's a uh, delicate balance between <laughs> yeah so so i'm I, just technically i'm usually the best and also like from the performance and everything i just think like like i'm the best sober and i really have to say also like uh i do this detox thing once a year like for a few months and then the first gig usually sucks so bad you know because you're completely Yeah, you know, completely sober all the time and everybody's talking to you drunk and you're like, oh, fuck, man. And at some point it changes, you know, and suddenly you're totally high and into it and yeah, screaming. This is why you're sober. Sober. Yeah, yeah. And that is something I found um, very attractive that the that the energy of the music at some point can put you in that trance and in that state and make you crazy and and that is so good you know and and that's the reason why i yeah but i try to do it of course it doesn't work always you know <laughs> also sometimes all of my mind drunk of course you know this happens also once in a while but what i've learned over the years is also like not to be too critical about it myself you know like because I, i i tend to be very very strict with myself and like afterwards it's just like days later i'm still like oh no why have i been so drunk so just like fuck it you know you have been drunk for that one gig and maybe all the mixes were shitty but you know at least it was a real moment and that is i think then m much more important than just like trying to sort of like be not yourself you know so, what could make you unhappy about a gig? Oh, bad, bad monitoring is still, I mean, a classic. You know, it doesn't happen these days so much anymore, luckily. But, like, bad monitoring is really the 
the worst, you know. And, and, and you then- realize straight away, like... You realize that, I guess, in your first mix. Yeah, pretty, pretty fast, you know. You realize that, and that is something. And, of course, like the crowd, you know, if they don't respond, that happens also sometimes, you know. You're just in a different, on a different level than they are for some reason, and then they don't respond the way you want them to respond. So that's also quite depressing in a way when you like... Plus, also, I have to say, if I don't find my flow, like just DJing... If I don't find my own rhythm, my flow, which also happens, of course, um, that is quite frustrating for me as well. So how do you know when you are in the flow? Like what what's happening? <laughs> like you don't have to. Are you thinking a few tracks? Yeah, ahead I don't or? have to. Yeah, I, th- I think a few tracks ahead usually, and that is like being. I'm a little bit German with that being a planned and having everything ahead and everything is just already. You know, I, I'm not getting stressed out because everything is working right and everything is, is seamlessly and fluent and you know is like. Then then I'm very happy usually with everything and then I have my flow also you know just if you you can feel it also like if if the music is just seamlessly flying into each other no it's, it's like if it's just getting together so nicely not only the technical side just if you have the feeling like there's a flow going on all the time is like the same sort of like groove going on for all the time and that's the magic of it of also and it takes a little while to get into this groove. Like it takes a few mixes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Actually, I don't know. Like I wouldn't say it. it, it there's a rule for it. It's sometimes it's really different. You know, sometimes like this, sometimes like that. But I just made the experience in general that sober is usually the best way for me to get into it. You know, that's cool. And then afterwards is the time to party. <laughs> as soon as you put your headphones down, someone it's like in your right I mean I usually just... I usually drink drink a few beers at some point, you know, that is uh, like like you know, it's not like super strict and stuff. At some point when I'm really relaxed, I know it's it's going well, you know, then I drink a few beers for sure. Then if it starts to get too drunk, just start playing basic channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that might be an option, of course, you know, yeah. just or some Ricardo tracks, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like 15 minutes, you yeah. know. So, yeah, of course. But it was on your rider, like, uh, I play sober, but there needs to be a shot waiting for <laughs> me as actually, soon as I actually, finish actually, my DJ set. the truth is, in my rider, it says a, a bottle of Ouzo. And then, you know, you come to some places where it's fucking big effort to sh- get this stupid bottle of Uzo, which I'm not so much into anymore these days at all. But then they are like, hey, we bought this bottle of Uzo. Was a- we had to import it. Yes, then, like, yes, yes. $700. I was just playing in Egypt, yeah, and same thing there, you know, they, they had to go to the, like when they picked me up at the airport, they were like getting this fucking, and I was telling him like, we don't really need the Uzo. Vodka is fine. Don't worry, don't worry. No, no, no. We get, you know, Egypt, like, like hospitality, you know, so Egyptian hospitality. So he was like, no, no, we get you Uzo. No, 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 Uzo, Uzo. And I was already like hung over from the night before or something. And, you know, I was like, no, we really don't. And no, 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 we get it, we get it. So, you know, he ended up buying this Uzo in the duty free for I don't know how many uh, euros or whatever the currency there is. And I mean, it was expensive, I'm sure. And, you know, and then there is this bottle waiting there for you. And they're like, oh, hey, Oscar, you want an Uzo now? And you're like, no, I don't want a drink. So I really have to change that in my rider, definitely. Like, I really have to tell them, like, you know, 
Well, if you're listening to this, <laughs> yes, please. If you're a promoter and you think you you thought about uh, booking me, and you're listening to this, don't bother about the rider. You know, don't bother about my agents are trying to sue you if you don't get it right. No, don't worry. When White started, and when you started becoming a full-time DJ, was this the time when Deep House was pretty popular? I'm just thinking of like this is when like Fred P and I don't know this American thing started to become it's here. interesting that you see it American because for me it was a very German thing almost but basically because we were in this collective with these young German labels which were like Smallville Khan and Giggling that was like a we had like this um, alliance which we formed which we called Ella we were thinking about getting a record out as well under that name so and That was mostly for me, um, yeah, it was a just sort of like a German, of course not German thing because you had underground quality and these kind of labels. But it, it was also like, yeah, my friends, these befriended labels, basically they were like um, from Germany. So I had the feeling it was also like a very German interpretation uh, yeah. of it. I see that too. Like uh, so. for some reason, uh, I guess Smallville for me has just been around for so long that it doesn't like it's like exists outside of like trend somehow like oh, they've okay. been doing their thing for so long like interesting yeah yeah because i think for me back then they were sort of like the not the leaders but they were definitely the most popular or successful ones in germany at that time yeah you're right but probably like people like just at were very big a big influence on people Like us. So, what did you like about this music? Like this, you know. I mean, I still deep love house. deep music. I mean, that's also something you can still find in my DJ sets, and which hasn't gone for me. Like this whole, yeah. Tr I mean, trance is a stupid word for it because it's the music genre now. But this trancey sort of state of deep music where it just sucks you in and you can sort of like lose your mind and. Forget about everything of your everyday life shit, you know, like every, yeah, and just forget about it all for a second and be free on the dance floor. That's, well, that is still, I mean, today the same, same approach with DJing. So, yeah, what is it about this deep music then? Because I guess for a lot of people, they lose their stuff. Like, think of all this UK music. It's about this high impact, like mm. high energy I don't know. What is it about this? It's a, it's common in German music, actually. It's it more a... about this loop, like hypnotic, deep thing. It maybe it's because we've been working so much in German car factories all the time, and it's a very hypnotic thing, you know. <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, I I, I really don't know why it's uh, why it's such a German thing because it doesn't make so much sense because the Germans are also like not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is it really? Well, I guess when you think of all the fame, when you think of like important German electronic music, like Basic Channel, yeah, 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 I see what, what, what are you saying. It has it has this approach, but what, why is it such a thing in German music? I don't know, really, to be honest. And also, kind of stupid these days, you know. I find it political highly incorrect if we just label it. I'm still, I mean, of course, everybody does it in, in record stores and stuff. It's still labeled like UK, US, you know. But 
sort of uh, over like old school, you know, in a way. Shouldn't yeah. we be a more modern society where we think more global? Well, it's the same or thing. Or different, like, at least in different drawers than that, you know? Well, it's the same thing that happens at RA. Like, uh, when you're writing a news piece about someone, you have to be careful not to say the German DJ, the Argentinian DJ, yeah. because it's actually not so important. Is it, it is actually you know? not so important anymore. Yeah. I think it changed also much more in the in the with the internet and everything. Like back in the days, that was sort of like a labeling which was kind of true. But these days, I don't know if like an, a German producer can sound like an American producer and vice versa. I think that's uh, very. Yeah, it's it's just we limit ourselves there a little bit, I guess. But we need some drawers, of course. So, do you see? Is there? Do you see anything in common with this early, with this Smallville style deep house? Yeah, I mean, there that... was, there was our first, you know, the first. No, we a little bit before that, there was already like a. Like the f if you listen to the first wide record, for instance, it's a little bit uh, there is sort of like this American US approach on it with that Edward track, and then there is a little more mm, I don't want to say that word again, but a minimal approach with approach with that uh, Martin Zadak track, and so I think we we started. Just right before the whole German deepness kind of thing happened with Smallville and all these other labels. And then this was like the next big thing. And then this was always the approach back then was always like, why do everyone, why do all these other people do this shitty music? And we are like the only ones playing good music. Like I remember that. Like with Edward in the early sets, we were thinking this like, and then we met like Julius, Just, and all those guys, and suddenly there were a few other people playing good music, you know, and we were like, oh wow, <laughs> you know, so there was there was there was a, a good thing, but basically, same thing today with Tech House or anything, you know, like it was kind of like that, you know, it was everyone else was playing this, I think I guess probably was like minimal the English term back then. Well, what's the aftermath of that? And we were just looking for something with less, like with more soul, basically. And that's what we found in Deep House then. Do you see any similarities to those times and the new stuff at the moment that you're into? Definitely. Really? Yeah, definitely. Like, like, not so much musically, maybe, but there is this sort of same approach of uh, us against the world and us against the others and stuff. I, I think that is a quite common thing there, yeah. So do you still stay in touch with any of your old Deep House pals? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like constant texting or anything, but uh, plus there has been like some changes, like people move to different cities and stuff. But of course, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, like if we see each other, like uh, it's it's uh, like in the old days, basically, a little bit. And I mean, it, it, the thing is, I sound now like I'm 55 or something, but I'm 35, and this is like not that long ago. We are talking about like uh, 2012 or something, you know. So, of course, I've, I've just like last summer, for instance, I played with uh, Mana Mana with the Canton guys. So then. Again, but of course, it's a little bit more like a like a how you say um, 
a, a school meeting after like a reunion yes a reunion after like a few years you get to back back together and then you tell all the old stories and I remember then and that and stuff was there some like big moment for you that got you into this more minimal you know this current minimal thing like I don't know was there a party or a record that you heard no it was basically hanging out with these guys like like and, and that happened very naturally um Let me see. Um, I mean, the first contact was Carl, who's the graphic designer of Hardworks of Drink. He was living uh, with my at that time girlfriend and in the same apartment. And then we became friends. And then the next one was... And then they, I don't know, they came to Berlin more often. And we partied together. I got to know more and more people. Max was one of the very first ones. Jakob, I always knew Jakob because of uh, his bigger brother, Julian. He was like one of the very, very first contacts. Julian and Patrick Klein were like the basically like friends of ours. And that's how I sort of like got into this whole thing. Me and Edward, basically. Edward also kind of like got a little more into like it you know we had never heard from romanian techno before we met those guys pretty much i mean you know and all these kind of things they they the whole partying approach and stuff that's just it changed a lot i have to say yeah and just, just having having like the all these crazy moments with these lovely people at some point you know changed something dramatically so it know? all came from friendship basically friendship yes definitely yeah yeah, yeah. It, it all happened yeah this sounds a little bit too too much uh, uh too simple maybe to the friendship but it just just being together Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it came through friendship, through, through partying, and just like through sort of like you know seeing you know when when you when you when you're with a crew of people and you sort of like you really like each other and you put the right people in a room for the right amount of time, then at some point there comes a new language out of it and a new style, and that was interesting because I was also like getting friends with these people when they were also like sort of like at the transition where it started to getting a little more breakbeaty and a little more interesting old school sounding things and next level in in a different way you know with like yeah the whole breakbeat thing i think was 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 big with them in those days so we kind of discovered like together we kind of discovered like new music and we're like totally blown away by that Are they interested in what you have to say about DJ life and of course yeah I mean I've always been a big advisor also for that for them you know I mean most of these guys are a little bit younger than I am and plus I am the yeah probably the most uh, definitely the most like serious yeah DJ yeah I'm the most serious DJ with the whole collective of people you know so of course for them it was always also like a big big brother kind of thing you know like where i could tell them listen and stuff plus you know we had also at some point with both labels hard works of drink and traffic at some point it really was like I'm, I'm an advisor really like like you know like if you want to put out an album now you have to think of those this and that you know you cannot just do it like you so know, what kind of things do you have to think of Yeah, there's a few rules, basically. You know, you cannot just put out an album on the market and just expect people to find it, basically, or something like that. Or you cannot just, like, you know, you have to think of some things, you know, like... 
so there's just options you have to think about and plus an album also needs like a story i think it does need like a not in the infotext, but just it's sort of an idea. You can't just say here's ten tracks, like exactly, because then it's just then then it's what I did what I did now on Mule. You know, this double LP which is coming out, this double twelve inch, which is a double twelve inch. This is a there's a difference, you know. Well, an album carries so much more like significance, I guess. If you call something an album, mm. it's because there's extra meaning behind it i don't know yeah do i mean the ad sounds also kind of gawky to do it kind like of that, you know like that all oh, the extra meaning like i want to be taken seriously as a music as a music producer but i have to say i was just um talking to jacob and listening to tubular bells from mike oldfield classic and i was just thinking like wow this is so much of an album like a real album because it's almost like a classical composition of music you know and and this is where i wanna like i still have the feeling like i haven't like really said what i really want to say as a producer in a way you know i I still have the feeling like there's so much music like like uh, hold back in me and i'm just too stupid to sort of like find an output for it you know like like to to really say what i really want to say so and yeah so the next album probably will be more of a try to to get that out a little bit and make it more maybe less playable more like a composition maybe so you've already started thinking about it yes definitely wow mm-hmm. the thing is with the studio in general i am very bad with setting up studios and stuff and a move like move to offenbach you know which is already now how many months ago like i don't know half a year or something but still you know my studio looks like it's improvised and there's nothing fixed yet Some, like teenage guy yeah like, yeah yeah it's hobby, just, hobby yeah, yeah. See, and, you know i'm fucking 35 years old and like i'm doing this professional for so many years and i still feel like a fucking amateur you know and this is so frustrating and then you go to cedric for instance cedric and felix studio and everything is so nicely you know everything is he cables everything like every other week basically he likes to think of a new cable solution and you know it's just like so proper so way more proper than than mine and i'm like the old guy pretty much and still not you know but maybe that's also who knows you know maybe that is just also the charm and maybe once i would have it like all you know perfectly done and cabled and everything it would kill all creativity you know you know so you know I try. I, I should try to embrace it maybe a little more. <laughs> is it hard to find a flat in Offenbach? Like if you're working and you know, I was only looking at one basically. I, I, that's like I wouldn't even have moved there probably. I was like in an in between state in Frankfurt, living in an apartment for like a, from a friend. So you'd already left Berlin by the time you moved to Offenbach. Yeah, to yeah. Offenbach. But I was living in Frankfurt first for for like a test phase at a friend's place. So I could have gone back if I wanted to, and uh, I liked it. And then I was just randomly looking at apartments, just really like I I check out the prices, you know. And then I found this really really nice apartment, which was my dream apartment. And then I gave it a shot. I took a uh, I, I I I visited it, and. I applied for it and I had that, you know, it's Frankfurt, Offenbach, you know, me as a self-employed artist, you know, chances are pretty bad usually. 
that in I Offenbach. Get, yeah, that I get the apartment in general in Frankfurt is a very conservative area, you know, like, you know, self-employed artists, come on, you know. So, you know, I applied and then I got it because I liked it so much and the lady loved me so much, the landlord, because she just like wanted someone who's like able to see what they've really done in it because they've redecorated it, like not redecorated, but they've refurbished it really nicely. So I applied for one apartment only and I got this one apartment, which is my absolute dream apartment where I'm living currently. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a very happy person in Offenbach. No, I have to say, like, after 15 years of Berlin, this was also, maybe it was just also time for a change, you know. And, you know, I became such close friends with these people there and they became literally my brothers. And many of them, not only, like, if, like not only one or two, like, <laughs> I'm pretty much now, like, I would say, like, 16 brothers, you know, it's like, close 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 brothers you know and this is like just a very nice feeling you know they they embraced me or they catched me in the right moment when i had the feeling also like a little bit of fawning so because at some point berlin just was a little bit yeah sometimes at some point berlin was just a little dark and boring also in a way you know when people talk about berlin changing a lot for that obvious was a, reasons. Like, yeah, yeah, what is it actually... If you're a German that's been living here for so long, what do you see that has changed? The professionalism, which is like... Now, you know, every fucking cup, coffee store which opens up looks like from an interior block. And that is a problem, I think, because, like, the real charm of Berlin, the, the charming thing was... Uh, that it was a little improvised here and there, you know? Like, back in the days when I came here... It was all illegal, pretty much the bars, the clubs, nobody had a license and stuff. Everything was like, you know. And now it's just like from Scandinavian interior blocks. I guess it's turning more into the usual normal. The normal gentrificated shit, you know. I mean, this is just life. This is what happens. Nothing stays where it's at, you know. Life's always moving forward and the energy, you know, and people have a hard time to accept that sometimes and i also find it shit you know but this is just the way how things are and 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 there's other places other cool places like offenbach <laughs> where you where you have the feeling of what berlin used to be like 15 years ago and this was really like a feeling for me there i mean it's so fucking rough you've been there it's so fucking rough that you have to search for a good coffee you know like you have to search for a fucking good coffee whereas in berlin you just go out in the street and you, you it, it literally just flows into your mouth you have a good coffee you know you don't have to do anything for it pretty much you know just pay but <laughs> come on <laughs> have i seen you here before come on we need a door have i seen you here before I've seen you here before. 